folks. How we doing? We doing all right? What are we thinking about the uh, the coup, the insurrection, the shit show we all watched unfold? A lot of people are saying that uh, that they know who these people are, that they're aware, that they're uh, they're Trump supporters, and I agree with that. But I also think they're another kind of person. I think they're all the kind of people that have to back into a parking space. I think they have to hold the wheel of their giant trucks, turn to their wives who have those kind of golden yellow pea mullets, and say, I'm going to back it in, hon, that we pull right out. You know what I mean? They don't realize that no matter how you get into the parking space, you're going to have to pull in and pull out no matter what. But they're going to back in first and pull out later. That's probably why so many of them keep getting born and uh, doing coups and insurrections and wearing funny hats. And, and really wrecking funny hats for the rest of us. That pissed me off, you know what I mean? Because I'm the sort of person who would wear like a buffalo hat. Or a lot of them had like funny knit caps with the balls on it. I remember my friend Travis saying, uh, you know, those balls are so uh, people didn't get knocked out in the Navy. The ball was a warning that they were, of where they were stepping. I remember him telling me that at the bar once. But who knows? Hey, when we come back, uh, uh, this poet is actually in the news. She's saying stuff currently. She's part of our world. How about that? When we come back, Rena P. S. Payat is our poet. Folks, she is in the news. She's 88 years old. She lived in the Dominican Republic until she came to the U.S. at the age of eight. And she's saying that uh, this is a country that saved my family and gave me most of what I value in life. I am most grateful to it than any other place on earth. This kind of behavior doesn't belong here. Speaking of the coup of the back in parking space, fellas. It belongs in countries that are democracies but are not quite making it. This one has made it. It may have its problems like any other place, but it has respect for its own rules. It is counted on the fact that the person out of power says, You're welcome. This used to be my home, but now it is your house. To break that tradition is absolutely unforgivable. How about that? That's pretty, uh, pretty heavy stuff. The poets are speaking out, people. The poets are, are wanting to be heard about all this. The poets are re-emerging in the American landscape. Exciting for us here at What Are Poems? Espaillat's father and great-uncle Raphael were Dominican diplomats stationed in Washington, D.C. After dictator Raphael Trujillo ordered the Parsley Massacre of Haitians living along the Dominican border. Uh, I read a little bit about this, this parsley massacre. It seems to me, as Americans, we we are uh, we are almost completely ignorant of world affairs and certainly world history. But this Raphael dictator fellow, he uh, he massacres Haitians in something called the parsley massacre. Um. So the uncle writes a letter 
to him and he denounces the massacre and he says uh, he can no longer be associated with a government that had committed such a terrible criminal act. And in response to the letter, the whole embassy staff were declared traitors and were exiled. Espaillat was, temp was temporarily left with her maternal grandmother in the Dominican Republic in 1939. And then when her parents become more settled, they jo she joins them in Manhattan. Isn't it wild that one point, like in the 30s, say 30, 40, 1939, so say 1939, because that's, um, that's what's in front of me, uh, you just can come from the Dominican Republic and live in Manhattan. Like now, no one I know could ever live in Manhattan, unless they want to live in like a shoebox and be eaten by them, by the rats that have taken over. And now the squirrels are taking over New York City, I read too. I saw it the other day, attack squirrels in New York City. It's like, Jesus Christ, just give me a minute. Just give me a minute to breathe, you know? She goes to Hunter College, where she gets her bachelor degree in art in 1953. She starts writing poetry very young. Ten years old, she's writing poetry. And uh, she teaches English in the New York public schools for many years. And she retires to Massachusetts. Where for more than a decade... She has. She leads a group called uh, a New Formalist Poets, known as the Powwow River Poets. Am I speaking correctly today? New Formalism. It's a literary movement in the 20 and 21st century. Basically, poets are saying that you have to go back to the rhyming poetry, that sort of uh, free verse uh, stuff that we're all into here uh, isn't going to cut it because it's never going to gain readership. And people aren't going to read it like they read novels and short stories and creative nonfiction. And it's not going to regain a vital part of the American landscape because uh, because there's no repetition, there's no uh, there's no interesting. So it's a dominant, uh, it's 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 a dominant anti free verse movement, uh, which is kind of wild. I don't think I believe that. I don't think I like the new formalist, but she seems pretty chill. Uh, she attends the Westchester Poetry Conference in 1955 and later recalls, I was the only Hispanic there, but I realized that these people were open to everything, that their one interest was the craft. If you could bring something from another culture, they were open to it. Uh, she's big for uh, translating poets to Spanish, from English to Spanish. And she uh, she's translated even our old pal Robert Frost, who we found a bit of a snooze. She says... Uh, that it's difficult to translate him because his New Hampshire is so idiosyncratic. Uh, she's been pleased with the shorter lyrics that she's done. In the past, she says, I've only seen a few translations of Frost into Spanish. I don't care for any of them. Um, she, she, uh, she stresses the importance of translation, saying that our libraries would be very small. We'd have no Bible, no Homer, no Virgil without translation and the importance of that. Following the 2020 presidential election, President-elect of the United States Joe Biden received a petition signed by over 70 poets who urged him to select S. Payat to read her poetry at Biden's presidential inauguration. I kind of like her love story here from the from the 50s, a good old 50s love story. Uh, she meets this fellow called Alfred Moskowitz, and uh, she meets him at the wedding of her friend Mimi and his best friend Harry, and uh, they end up sitting at the same table at the wedding on Thanksgiving Day. And they start talking and then dancing. And then they, then he proposes five weeks later on New Year's Eve. And they were married on June of 1952. She uh, keeps her name uh, Espaillat in all the uh, poetry world. 
but she signs all her legal documents as Mrs. Alfred Moskowitz. He was an industrial arts teacher and sculptor who had grown up speaking Romanian Yiddish in a home that had fought as a in a home that had fought as a GI during the nineteen forty four Battle of the Bulge. Uh, Moskowitz brought to the household a sense of stark realism I experienced by U.S. military personnel during World War II. Uh, they remained together until his death in 2016, and they had a couple, two tree sons, as they'd say in Pittston. Yes, this was, uh, was about Pittston. Okay, here's a poem from uh, Rena P. Espalot. Espayat. I had to write the whole podcast. I knew I'd screwed up in the uh, in the uh, in the end there. Anyone watching that flight attendant show? I'm enjoying that. Just just before the poem, just wondering. Me and my girlfriend sat here for uh, for a couple nights watching that, and we were enthralled. Just having a blast watching it, eating popcorn, drinking fresca, saying this is good, right? It's nice when something's good, when you're enjoying something. When two people enjoy something, isn't that nice? They go, this is good, right? They go, yeah. They reaffirm how good you think it is. That feels good. Anyway, here's Rena P. Espayat. The poem's called Butchering. My mother's mother, toughened by the farm, hardened by infant's burial, used a knife and swung an axe as if her woman's arm Wielded a man's hard will, inured to life and death alike. What ails you now, she'd say urgently to the sick. She fed them too, roughly but well, and took the blood away, and washed the dead if there was that to do. She told us children how the cows could sense when their own calves were marked for the butchering, and how they lowered their wordless elegance. Impossible to still with anything. Sweet clover, her unremitting care. She told it simply, but she faltered there. Is that, that was good, right? I don't think I know how to rhyme. <laughs> Does that make sense? How about this one? This one might be better. Changeling. I want to tell myself she is not you. This sullen woman wearing mama's eyes. All wrong those whose every gesture rings untrue, and yet familiar in your harsh disguise. I sometimes need to find you, sometimes fear I will. If I look closely into her, I want to tell myself you are not here, trapped in this parody of what you were. But love was never safe, it lives on danger. Finds what can't be found in any other power on earth or over it. The stranger as you will is all the you there is. My mother whose gentler face is gone beyond recall. I must love you so, or not at all. I don't know what that means. That's one where I just don't know. I have no clue. I wish I knew what it meant. I have no idea, though. And these new formalists, they're supposed to be the ones that you, you understand. They're supposed to bring back the uh, the masses to the poetic world, world with their rhyming. World, war. Can't speak. Man. All right, when we come back, uh, a poem from my buddy Phil that he actually read here after he drank about 35 Miller Lights. You've got to say it's truly something, these collections that we've built. 
We've both got stacks of different knickknacks saved for some day when it rains. I've got memories collected, rich with sentiment and guilt. Permanent, nostalgic, constant reminders. Prayer cards with a certain smell of, I'm not so sure what, just certain kind of sad. They're my healthy pain collection displaying values of my strength. You've got a ton of gifts I've given you collected just the same. To you it may be jewelry, but to me I wouldn't say the same. That's a bundled pile high of making up for my mistakes. Apologies posing in tiny pictures, locked in lockets of resolutions, and the easy route for chain, necklaces of making up for and forgetting fights that were all my fault. You treat these things for objects that we can't deny they are. I treat them in a different way. I'm sure to you will sound bizarre. Whatever reason that we keep them for exactly couldn't be explained. It's not for either of us to question as to why or anything. I won't, if you won't, try to throw a single thing away until we've run out of room for storage and they're getting in the way. You've kept it all in great condition, all in its rightful place. I keep pieces somewhere scattered here and there upon the ground. They're incomplete collections of broken promises and vows. I hate to disappoint you once again and come to think. I'm putting this in a box I've got labeled. Hate to break your heart. I've let you know your collection isn't the rarest of its kind. Unique to you, it may be. But what I haven't told you yet is that out there you'll find sets, a dime a dozen, collections just like yours for nearly everyone I've met. The limited edition I assume I've held on to of you. Foolish I thought you're you in how it's custom made for me. It says a lot about my carelessness in treating precious things. Treating precious things as waste treating you as waste. It will be someone else for both of us to collect in coming days, to collect the best of what we have to give, and they'll deserve it and appreciate. Phil was rhyming there. He was rhyming. He was, uh, he was into rhyming. He liked rhyming. I liked his poem. I thought it was good. It's nice when your friend writes a poem, gets drunk and brings it down your house and reads it to you. You know? Because they know you have a poetry podcast and all their other friends don't. That's what makes friendships special. They're unique. Uh, remember, you could submit your own poems to the podcast at whatarepoemspodcast.com at gmail.com, or just knock on my door and I'll record you here live. Um, wear a mask. Uh, until next time, folks, peace and love, peace and love, beef. Jackie.